and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Last Sunday, we saw that Jesus entered Jerusalem triumphantly and cleansed the temple. As the day came to a close, he left Jerusalem. The next day, he journeyed back to Jerusalem and he cursed a fig tree on his way. Jesus then re-entered the temple and then began to teach with parables. And as he re-entered Jerusalem, the tensions were high and everyone expected some sort of fireworks. But as we saw last week, the parable with which Jesus teaches, the parable of the tenants, seemed a bit anticlimactic. On the surface, the parable of the tenants seemed to fail in giving the scathing follow-up everyone expected Jesus to deliver. But as we saw, just underneath the surface, there were clear and dire implications for the Pharisees found in that parable. In the parable of the tenants, Jesus confronted those opposed to him and said that their positions as priests, the very law that they said they loved, the temple they so revered, the very land that lay under their feet, every single thing they cherished and held dear had been given to them by God. But instead of giving God what belonged to him, they planned his execution instead. Instead of being good tenants of the vineyard, instead of being good stewards of Israel, they were wicked and malicious. And then Jesus told them if they did not repent and turn from the evil that they planned, their days as tenants were over. People like them had stewarded the vineyard of Israel, the faith of Israel since the days of Abraham. People like them had abused the servants of God, the prophets of God. And now they plotted to kill the owner's son. They plotted to kill Jesus, the son of the father. And because of this final and greatest treachery, the vineyard would be taken from them and given to new tenants. It would be given to tenants that would not forget to whom the vineyard and everything in it truly belonged. In the parable of the tenants, Jesus gives the Pharisees their walking papers. Because Jesus was handing the position of tenants, the job of stewarding the vineyard of Israel over to new tenants. He was giving it to those who followed him. We said that every single disciple would have understood the implications. Jesus was talking about them. They were the new tenants. These 12 men would be the foundational leadership in the Messiah's new kingdom. The Pharisees, the chief priests, the elders were the old tenants who were no longer to fit to steward God's vineyard. And in their place, 12 of the most unlikely men ever assembled would now take the reins. And today, an unlikely group of people in Fort Worth, Texas, continues that same work. We are those who follow Jesus. We are those who have responded to the call. We are those filled by his spirit and enabled to do the work that he's given us to do. We are the new tenants. And if you can even begin to wrap your mind around that, you'll understand that it's not only a great privilege, privilege, but it's also an enormous responsibility. Our responsibility, our charge, is to steward that which God has given to us and to do it well. It is to give to God that which already belongs to Him. I think the implications for the old and new tenants are crystal clear in that parable. But if everything is so clear, if the parable of the tenants explains everything so well, why does Jesus follow it up with another parable? And why use a parable that seems so similar to the previous one? 
Because don't mistake it, guys. Today's gospel reading, the parable of the wedding feast, and last week's gospel reading shared just a couple of similarities. If you were paying close attention as Deacon Carl read the gospel text, you probably picked up on a few. Just in case you missed them, here's a, here's a short list of some of the common themes found in each. Each parable has a king or a master. Each mentions by name the master's son. Each has servants that are giving a task. Each parable shows that the servants are rejected and treated cruelly. Each says that the master will respond to this evil with swift and deadly action. And in each parable, those who were responsible for the evil are ousted from their positions, and the master replaces them with a new group. And if we took the time, that list would grow. So without question, these two parables are related. But for as similar as these two parables are, today's text is different in a very important way. Because today's parable includes a brand new element not found in the previous one. And I wonder if as the gospel text was read, did you hear it? Did you pick up on the pivotal difference that's found in today's text? Listen again. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. His servants are sent out to call those who were invited, but they refused the invitation. So he sent other servants, inviting them to attend again, explaining the extravagant wedding banquet that awaited his guests. But again, those invited either ignored or rejected the invitation, some going so far as to kill the servants of the master. When the king received the news of how his servants had been treated, he marshaled his army and he destroyed the murderers and burned their city. Then the master told his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. So here's the obvious comparison. The old tenants refused to do what their master had asked. Those who were invited to the wedding feast refused to accept the invitation. And so the old tenants were replaced with new ones. New invitations were sent out to new guests. And while the parable of the tenants stops there, today's text offers an insight, a glimpse into what happens next. Verse 11. But the king came in to look at the guests, and he saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendant, Bind him hand and foot and cast him out into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, if I'm honest, there are so many layers in these last few verses that we could take the rest of the afternoon. And if you attend the Wednesday noon Bible study, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Also, you should really attend the Wednesday noon Bible study. <laughs> Seeing as how I could take the rest of the afternoon, here's the crux of what I think is happening at the end of this parable. Filling the great hall of the king are new guests who have accepted all of the invitations of the king. They have all responded to the king's gracious gesture of participating in his son's marriage. These new guests didn't refuse the king. They didn't belittle his servants. They didn't beat and kill them. No, that's not who the new guests are. The new guests are the one who accept the king's invitation. 
the ones who saw it as an honor and privilege to be counted among the king's guests. In the great hall of the king, all of the new guests anticipated the wedding of the king's son. And together the new guests stood robed in garments that were befitting a royal wedding. But in the midst of the new guests, there was counted among them one man whose dress did not complement the others. Whatever it was that he was wearing, it was not the required wedding garments. And if you read this lack of a wedding garment as just an accidental fashion faux pas, if you, if you see this man's actions as nothing more than failing to conform to some illegitimate, subjective expectation of dress, then with all due respect, you are mistaken. This parable makes clear, even though this man was one of the new guests, there was an expectation that he did as the king asked. And this man's dress, or the lack thereof, was this man telling the king, while in the king's presence... I will do as I please. The man who refused to wear the appropriate wedding garment possessed the same heart of those who rejected the king's initial invitation. The only difference between this man and the old guests was that the old guests rejected the king by rejecting that invitation. But this man, one of the new guests, accepted the king's invitation. He strolled into the presence of the king and rejected the king to his face. I think as the disciples listened to this parable, the implications would have been once again crystal clear. They were the new tenants. They were the newly invited guests. But the new tenants, the new guests, were still not the owners of the vineyard. They were still not the royal host of the wedding. And if the new tenants ever forgot that, if the newly invited guests ever forgot that, if the disciples ever begin to believe that the kingdom of Jesus was best defined by them and not by Jesus, then they would find themselves on the wrong side of the king as well. And once again, what, is, what was true for the disciples of Jesus then is true for them now. We said last week that it was possible to become so enamored with the things that God has given you that you fail to be enamored with God Himself. And this week, the parable of the wedding feast offers a similar lesson. But you see, the truth is, there are millions and millions of people that like the idea of God. They like the possibility of God's existence. But when confronted with devotion to God, when confronted with the intimacy of God, when confronted with faithfulness to God, they are, when they're truly confronted with the reality of God Himself, they show themselves true and walk away. Much like the new wedding guests, some respond to the invitation of the king, they journey and they find themselves standing in the presence of the king himself. But like the man without a wedding garment, they've come into the king's presence on their own terms. Like a man without a wedding garment, they will be ruled by their own minds. They will be guided by their own hearts. And if the king doesn't like it, tough. He's no king of theirs. When Jesus taught this parable, there were 12 disciples gathered around him. Counted among those 12 was one among them named Judas Iscariot. He liked the idea of the Messiah. 
He liked the idea of the kingdom of Jesus. He liked the idea that the power that Jesus wielded was awesome and that he had some power as a disciple. But when it got right down to it, Judas preferred his definition of the Messiah. He preferred his vision of the kingdom to that of Jesus. And this isn't the part of the sermon where I make application and try to make you think you're Judas, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're unwilling or unfaithful. I'm not saying you're like the man at the wedding. I have absolutely no interest in trying to artificially convict you of sin. If there was something that was said this morning that pricked your heart, then listen to the Spirit and repent of whatever it is that He brings in front of you, if that's what God's calling you to do. What I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes it's easy for us to replace God's vision with our own. Sometimes it's easy to get so caught up in our own expectations and plans that we fail to ask God what He wants us to do. And whoever we are at Christ the Redeemer, whatever shortcomings we may have, guys, that will not be us. We will not become enamored with the things that God has given us and cease to be enamored with God Himself. We will not stroll into the presence of divinity and demand that His plans agree with ours. That will not be us. And I will say this once again, I have no idea what the next few years hold. There is so much good, there is so much hope of what God can produce in the coming months and years that it boggles the mind. But guys, whatever the Lord produces, whatever fruit that springs from the vine, whatever God asks of us, Christ the Redeemer will always act like good stewards. We will always act with the spirit of new tenants. Christ the Redeemer will do exactly what the King has asked. 